You're listening to the Boca Banter Photography Podcast with Joe High and Chris Golden. On today's show, you know, prom photos, just simple cute kids hanging out, having a good time. Or not so cute kids, let's be honest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop saying the word "cute" high school kids because that's just going in a direction I really don't <laughs> oh, want to associate we just myself. Got with. Kicked off the internet. It's all coming up on Boca Banter. Welcome everybody to episode 11 of Boca Banter. I'm Joe High, and I'm Chris Golden. Wow, 11 episodes already. It feels like it hasn't been that long, although time does move strangely in quarantine. Yes, yes, yes. We're unfortunately still in quarantine, but I must say, Chris. You sound a lot better today. You want to tell us all why? Yeah, we got this fancy new microphone in. Got a fancy new little pop filter in. Pop, pop, pop. Sounds a whole lot better. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Joe. Well, I mean, it's it's for all intents and purposes, it's your microphone, at least for now. At least for now. But it, it certainly helps out, and I don't mind having a better microphone to talk with my clients through voice chat over. So thank this you This is true. Yeah, it does help. Sound quality adds a lot. I got the microphone actually potentially uh for my wife and myself because we have a podcast as well called radiant weddings link in the description shameless plug right there but we needed a a separate microphone for in the future if we ever interview anybody so bought the microphone and said hey chris why don't you use this in the interim and then if you like it you can just buy it off us later so mike or mike has an awesome chris now Chris has an awesome <laughs> mic now. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I meant to say. So you sound a lot better, and I'm very happy for it because it's going to make my editing much, much easier afterwards. Yes, absolutely. So I don't know about you, but uh, since the last recording, um, you know, quarantine starting to be lifted. You know, people are finally being let out of their houses. A lot of people really antsy to get their wedding planning starting. And in the past week, I've had more bookings than I had probably all of last year. Wow. Like people are you. just so raring to go. Good for you. I have also seen things to start to turn the corner. There's been people sending in some inquiries. Um, I've seen more people getting engaged. Uh, we'll see how it goes because there's still some restrictions with the venues. I think it's not to the, I think it's going to get better still. I don't think we're like back to normal yet. I still see better things coming. Right. Yeah. I actually have a bride of mine that really wants to book me for her day, but the venue won't let her book any more than 11 months out, which is a bit Mm. weird to me. And I feel so bad for this woman because she can't book any vendors like she wants to book in June. She can't book until July of the year before that. And everyone's booking right now. Like my entire July is just swamped. And I'm sure that's the case for DJs, wedding coordinators, planners, uh, you know, caterers even. So uh, wedding season 2021 is going to be packed to the brim. Yeah, I expected there to be a large surge once everything started to lift. And uh, because everything isn't completely lifted yet, at least in New York, I think it's still going to get even better as more and more restrictions are taken away. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad to see that that's happening. Um, I've, I've also been working, I was going to follow up on something that we recorded last time. You said to try something creative that wasn't photography. And I'm not sure that this counts because I know you were suggesting, um, painting, which I didn't do, but or drawing or just something to flex your creative muscles. But hit me, what'd you got? Okay. So I, I've been working on our shed remodel. We have this big old shed in our backyard that actually would be a decent office space and studio space. So we've been converting that. 
And this past um, eh, week or so, I have been working on that and building a staircase in it so that we can actually get to the loft where our actual office will be. Uh, so we don't have to use a ladder like we've been doing. So I've been a carpenter for the past week and figuring out how to build stairs for the first time. But I'm not sure if this actually counts because it technically is still for business, but I so enjoyed it. I, I was just getting so much life out of figuring out how to do something. It was the same satisfaction that I get as a kid. Uh, who am I kidding? I still get the same satisfaction out of Legos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? construction work is just yeah. adult Legos. Exactly, yeah. So I don't know if that counts because it definitely made me feel good and feel that creative satisfaction, even though it was still business. It was something I'd never you know done what? before, though. I'll accept that. You're, you're trying something new. I'm sure that it's flex your creativity in ways that you probably didn't expect you to. I will accept that as a answer. Okay. Well awesome. done, Joe. That's good because I still haven't done the photo that we're supposed to have done of the print. <laughs> but that's oh, yeah. beside the topic here. We'll just let we'll we'll, we'll let y'all know when that's done when it's done. We're we're thinking about relaxing those rules a little bit and making it a little less. Maybe when there's more specific. participants than just us too. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're yeah. still a relatively new podcast, so. Yes, very much so. So I have a other piece of little information, resource, news, whatever you want to call it, um, talking about contracts and invoices and everything for upcoming weddings that are going to be happening. Have I ever told you about the software that I use for this? Uh, no, you haven't. Okay, so I use a program called Sprout Studio. And I actually heard about it from a podcast called The Sprouting Photographer. And that podcast, the podcast hosts were actually the ones who decided they wanted to also make this software for photographers for making contracts and invoices and tracking expenses and managing emails, client management system, all this kind of stuff that you need to run a photography business with clients all in this program called called Sprout Studio. And I've been using it for a number of years now, actually, and I really, really like it. And the reason that I'm bringing it up is because we now have an affiliate link with them. So I thought I would let our listeners know that if they're looking for a good software to use for contracts and templates and everything that I mentioned before, Sprout Studio is an excellent option. And if you're interested in that, use the affiliate link in our description, and that helps out the show. Now, I, not to sound too sales pitchy, but I'm actually genuinely asking you because this is true. I've been doing your standard paper contracts. I've just been filling out like Excel spreadsheets and Word documents for payment logs and that kind of thing. That's all handled? Yes, it's all handled. And you can generate reports at the end of the year. So like when you're ready to do taxes, all of your expenses and invoices that you've been tracking just come right in there. Um, the, the, the thing that I like the most, though is the contract templates, the email templates. They're just now rolling out a beta version of um, automated email campaigns. So you can have uh, like a, a email list and, and send out, um, I don't wanna say like instead of MailChimp, but it's similar to a MailChimp sort of thing. That's still in the beta, but yes, everything that you're doing manually is already in their system there. So and like can I can- Sign contracts online too? Yep. Like you send it to a sign the contracts sign online, yeah. It's really, wow. really nice, man. It's really nice. 
Um, people can go on there. I can send out a booking proposal to a client who says, okay, I'm interested. And I can say, okay, here's the booking proposal. Here's, you know, three wedding packages or whatever. You choose the one that you want. They click that, they sign the contract. It tells them, okay, the deposit, the deposit is this much. It just, it does all that for you. You just do it once so that it's ready for any situation. And it just, it saves you a lot of time. That's and pretty cool. everything's cloud-based because it's a web-based service. So if you were to have a computer crash, doesn't matter. All of your client invoices and information and contracts are already online, so you're good to go. Very cool. Uh, I've actually been taking a lot of time during this quarantine to kind of work on all my back-end stuff and some of my client-facing things. Like, I'm working on a new logo. i am actually got a design that I'm pretty happy with and I'm just kind of refining right now. Um, I just redid my contracts. Just out of curiosity, Joe, how, uh, how long are your contracts? Like... How number long? of pages yeah um this one is only two pages front and back one one page if it was front and back like if you're looking at a if, if it was a word document it would be you would need to scroll to a second page to see everything Whew. i should probably refine mine <laughs> well it's pretty My, thorough uh, and like i'll admit i didn't write the whole thing myself i read the whole thing but i started with i actually started with the sprout studio template and read through it and was like, oh, yeah, this this covers everything. And there was just a few things that I need to change to meet exactly the service that I provided. My uh, my current one is a total of six pages. So three front and back. Oh, and uh, what are you well, using? I, like size 18 font? It was size 11 font, but I, I double spaced everything. So it wouldn't be like super intimidating. Like every every paragraph has like a break in it and everything. So I, I kind of felt a little weird bringing it to my first clients because I was kind of feeling them out with it and uh, okay. see what their reaction was. And when they had it and they were looking through it, they got about halfway through the, the terms and everything. And they were like, wow, you have a really good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, actually, I'm really good at grabbing a lot of stuff off of Google. What would you I didn't say that, but <laughs> what do you fill six pages with? I mean, mine, the basic things are, you know, the photographer can use the pictures for promotional purposes afterwards. I can, I can um, tell you right now. I mean, like six pages is a lot, man. The big, well, the I biggest mean, things like, that I tell, like I can give my clients an overview, of saying like it, it's the normal stuff. You know, I have the rights to share. You have the rights to um, what's designated in the invoice. And if I can't be there, I'll arrange for somebody else to be there. Um, well, like the first page is like contact information and everything so like yep. you know all the event locations time for shooting you know the bride and groom's name contact information um you know best man best woman mom dad somebody who has their phone on them contact info huh. um the next thing's about pricing the next thing's about um the retainer fee so um, that that might scheduling be a difference safety. right there then that might be a difference right there because i have two different documents one is the invoice and one is the contract Gotcha. The contract okay, yeah, stays I, I've the just same put everything regard. under the contract. Oh, okay. Yeah. For me, the contract stays the same no matter what the wedding details because the, mm -hmm. the, the rules are still always the same. And it just refers to like the invoice or the retainer fee, which is indicated in the invoice, which is different depending on what the purchase was. Yeah. Uh, the, the final page is just like the itemized package of everything thrown together. So there's probably, it, this could very well be separated into two documents, but uh, also, disclaimer: We're not lawyers. You oh no! Don't don't take our advice. <laughs> don't take our advice. Don't take our advice. 
No, but th- th- it is good to have records of just even just a written agreement just so that you guys can go back and because I've actually had situations where the bride and the groom and myself all forgot what we originally agreed to. And thankfully, we had it written down. We were like, wait a minute, which package did you buy again? And they're like, uh, I don't know. And then, but everything was written down. So I was like, oh, yeah. you have a full day of coverage and an album and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, great. And I'm like, and you've paid for half of it so far or whatever. So you owe this much. Like everything's right there. That's why you should have things written down. Actually, I, we, we outright in, in the Rhea and mine's podcast about wedding planning. That's the Radiant Weddings podcast, link in the description. We actually tell people like if you're working with a client or excuse me, if you're a bride and groom working with a contractor, what am I trying to say? If you're a bride and groom and you're working with a vendor who doesn't have a contract, regardless of the vocation, if that vendor doesn't have a contract, don't work with that vendor. That's a pretty big red flag. Yeah, it's a huge red flag. And there's still people who run without without contracts. They don't have a written agreement. They just say, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll do this. And for some reason, people are okay with that. Like, you've got to have it in writing. Just because remember, if anything else, people will forget. I remember when uh, my wife and I went to a bridal show. And uh, we were so close to hooking on some DJs that we'd found that we really liked. You know, we jived with them personally and everything. And I was like, okay, so when would you want the retainer? And when do you want to sign the contract? And they were like, I got your contract right here. And he stuck out his hand. And I was like, um, I'm not quite ready yet. And yeah. we, we like sprint walked away. <laughs> <laughs> so I have nothing wrong with a gentleman's agreement. I just don't, I just know that humans forget. I, that's why I have the contract is more, not so much for butt coverage, although it is there for butt coverage, but I also need it to be there just so that all of us can remember what the heck we actually agreed to in the beginning. And yeah, nice to be on the same that. page, yeah. especially when, uh. I mean, I, I have people that can contact me in like four or five different ways, just either like directly through the website, directly through email, Facebook, um, you know, text or something like that. If they get my number off of a card or something along those lines. And it's so hard to keep track. I'm now realizing of where my conversations were had. Mm-hmm. Like, did this did this person reach out to me through the website? Let me check those. Like, oh, no, this was Facebook. Yeah. And like trying to figure out exactly what we agreed to and everything like that. So. Yeah. Having a hard time keeping that straight. I, I'm learning that being busy is a lot a lot of work. <laughs> that's a good way to say it. I, that's actually another thing that I do in, in Sprout to continue this plug here is there's sections for notes right on each individual shoot or lead. And um, that's how I keep track of like, all right, who was this again? What was the significant things about them? What did we last talk about? Like I write notes as I'm talking to them and just save it. And then it's just, it's in the cloud. It's in their system. So I can say, oh, you know, John Smith and Pocahontas, <laughs> their wedding over here. We're <laughs> I was trying to think of a random name, and I pulled up John Smith, and then, of course, the next day is Br- <laughs> Anyways, Sprout Studio. Great software. If you want to check it out, there's an affiliate link in the description. Moving on. <sighs> we, have, it, we haven't recorded in a little while, Chris. Have you been... Oh, I'm sorry. That Pocahontas thing totally threw me off. <laughs> what John you, you and had, Jane Doe? John and Jane. That's what it is. Yeah. No, it's John Smith and Jane Doe. Right. Uh, it's so when whatever. they get married, it would be John Smith and I, Jane. I've never Smith. personally met them, so I'm not sure, and I don't want to get their names <laughs> wrong. This is way way too much time spent on this. 
you you had a very good topic to discuss today. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the greatest challenge that you've had, either in terms of business or photography, to uh, kind of take you to the next step. And one of mine has been client invoice and information and everything. This is going to be like the longest plug in history, but... I'm I'm genuinely saying this. Joe threw this at me, the the whole affiliate link at me, like five minutes before the podcast started. So I'm genuinely talking like I have a very hard time keeping things straight. So that has definitely been one of them. And I organization. Uh, yes, organization, keeping mm-hmm. everything on tabs, especially because like I have notes on my phone, I have notes on my tablet, I have notes on my yeah. desktop. Well, I um, I used to run things like that too. I would have like Word documents for the contracts, and I write it out, and I'd save the files in each individual client's folder. And it works, but it's so much nicer to just have everything in one place in one program. It's it's just it's so much nicer, right? Yeah, for sure. So, in terms of like photography, like the actual skill of taking photos, or maybe even client management, Joe, I'm curious what the biggest challenge you've ever had to overcome was. Um, it, it, we... it can be like a, a general like rolling thing, like something you need to learn, or you had to learn or something that you continue to struggle with. Okay. So it doesn't have to be something that like I've completely overcome already. I mean, if it's still something that you're working on, then yes, I'd I'd love to hear it. Okay. Well, I think as photographers, there's a lot of, I mean, as, as a business owner, there's a lot of things to, to learn and overcome anyways. But I I think that the, the first thing that comes to my mind as far as things that I had to like get over or overcome would be the anxiety that I felt before every shoot, especially weddings. Um, before, before every shoe. So even something yeah. like a, like a newborn or engagement shoot or a high school senior or something. Yeah. It would be especially prevalent at weddings because you know, it's such a big deal, but I, I would get, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who kind of struggled with anxiety, not, not, not to the point that some people do like, um, but it was heavy enough where I would have like, I could, I could very well have an anxiety attack on a wedding day and it like would physically manifest itself. Nobody could, nobody would know because I got pretty good at hiding it. Uh, but like inside I would feel like I was about to throw up or pass out or both. And there were wedding days where I felt like that the entire day. Like, wow every minute I felt like I was about to just keel over and I would do that for like eight to 10 hours and then finally get in the car and go back home and crash so hard. And then the next shoot I'd go and I'd think about how hard that was and how difficult that was and how bad I felt and it compounded. I would be like, Oh man, I'm going to feel like that again. What if this time I actually do pet? What if I can't make it? And Oh, what if I, you know, what if I'm getting sick while they're walking down the aisle? What's going to happen? You know, fortunately, I never did pass out at a wedding because it was all fear-based. Um, you know, but that that that's something that I've had to kind of struggle with. I don't know where that, like, stemmed from, but uh, maybe, it's, maybe I just put too much pressure on myself during a shoot. I, I don't really know, but um, I've always had to deal with that kind of that kind of fear and and that's why i that's why i avoid um scary things like i i really hate anxiety inducing entertainment like uh like i hate zombie movies 
mm-hmm. for that reason because I'm like I do everything in my power to avoid uh, needless anxiety because there's enough in my own life. So uh, that's just always been the case. But during the uh, the beginnings of wedding photography, especially, it was a real, real struggle, and it would be really, really hard to get through a wedding day. It would be physically taxing, and the, you know that night when I would go to bed, I would just like ache. I was so I was so exhausted, and the next day, I would I would have to spend the whole day like just lounging because it would it would physically. I mean, I don't know if you have too much experience with like pre-shoot anxiety, but like anxiety physically manifests itself. And uh, it's not just like people being nervous, like, oh, I'm just, I'm so scared. I'm so anxious. Like this is, this is like, you feel it literally in your bones the next day. And it feels like you ran a marathon. I mean, it's exhausting. I, I wouldn't say that I get anxiety because that's like an actual diagnosable medical condition, which it kind of sounds like you have not a psychologist, but to, if it's something that manifests point. itself every day, then I, obviously it's something to, to learn to overcome. But I, I definitely get anxious and I seriously deal with uh, imposter syndrome at the beginning of a shoot and at the beginning of editing as well. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, I, I'm not as good as I think I am. I shouldn't be charging my rates. What am I doing? Someone else uh, out that, there is better than me. Why am I here right. for this, competing with yeah. them? And, and then, you know, halfway through the shoot, and I look at the back of my camera, and I'm like, oh, man, this looks really great. I, I can't wait to get in and edit these. And then you bring everything into Lightroom, and raw files are... Uh, y- you can't hide anything in a raw file. Raw files are very... <laughs> um, raw (laughs) they're very they're very unforgiving they're just like hey here's what you did yeah no gloss and nothing this is exactly what it looked like and now you have to deal with it well the worst part is is that it's not even exactly what it looked like i'm pretty sure that your your camera lcd bumps a little bit of contrast and a little bit uh, more vibrancy into it i've tried to change that because i want to know what it's going to look like when i put it on my computer screen but but it's just that's just how it is so that that's yeah. been that's been my great. Why don't we do this? Like that's that was my greatest challenge. Let's let's go. You do your greatest challenge, and then let's go back and see like what we're doing or what we have done to overcome that. Let's like sure. start with the problem and then go back to the solution. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, the the thing that took me the absolute longest amount of time to wrap my head around, like you know, camera. Got it. Understood. Every single thing about it. I, I wouldn't say that, but, you know, I've got all the fundamentals down, rock solid, everything. And then I put a flash on my camera. And I don't Ooh. know what it is about it, but it, flashes just speak a different language. And that was the most challenging thing in the world to learn for me. It was literally like speaking a different language. I For the longest time, I had such a hard time figuring it out. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the manual for a flash. I'm kind of old school. I like to to rip through the manuals of stuff before I, I actually dive into it. It's a textbook, man. Yes. Yes, it is. And I, I, just something about sticking a flash on there and learning how to use it, you know, I, for the longest time, before I actually went, you know, professional or anything, so total newbie, learning the ropes and everything, I would just stick a flash on there because I saw it's what professional did, professionals do, and I just pointed it at my subject, bam. direct direct flash that's about as flattering as a driver's license photo (laughs) that's pretty much how they light them too 
Flash is intimidating right. because it all of a sudden makes it so that what you're looking at in the viewfinder isn't what your picture is going to look like because there's another light source that you won't see until you actually click the camera shutter and you and you see that flash come in. So you're right. looking and at it and like, this is how it looks, this is how it's going to look, and then click, oh, now it looks totally different because the light is something I couldn't see. So you, you have to know what it looks like without being able to see it. That is very well, intimidating. It's also the first time that you're really responsible for sculpting light as well. Yeah. So like if you're totally used to it coming in, you know, reg as a total newbie, uh, you know, you've got your camera in your hands. You're trying to learn how to balance the ambient light for your camera. Now you're throwing in an artificial one that you have a hundred percent control over. That was intimidating to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like when do I pull up this flash card and when do I tilt it to the side? When do I tilt it at the ceiling? What if the, the color on the wall is too weird? And that was so intimidating and honestly scary to me that I was so afraid to use artificial light for the longest time. And, uh, I, I, I did the thing that a lot of people do where they call themselves natural light photographers because I was so scared of using flash, even though I knew that it would help me. And I yeah. finally got over it. I finally learned how to use it. And then I used off camera flash. Oh, next level. So this, yeah. oh, this is all just with one uh, speed light on your camera. Oh, yeah. Flash photography is very intimidating to me. Mm -hmm. And it still kind of is, but I'm learning to get around it. Um, well, it's it's totally different because so many people start off, they're like, okay, I've got the exposure triangle down, I understand depth of field and focal lengths, so boom, I'm a photographer. Like, okay, great, yeah, that that's that's a lot, but like until you understand light, you're never going to get past the, I know how to manually expose a picture photographer. Like, that's, that's the easiest part to get is like, okay, I now understand how to use the manual mode on my camera. I know how to, I understand why lenses are advantageous in this aperture and whatever. But until you understand why light or how light makes things look better and why light does certain things better than others, until you understand how light works, you can't get past just exposing an image versus composing an image. And uh, once you understand that, then natural light and off-camera flashes, you, you figure out, okay, now I understand how to work them together because it's all light. But until right. you understand light, all, all you understand prior to that is just how to use the camera. And whatever the light is, you're, you're completely at the light's mercy. Right. Unless you've got like a reflector, but even still, you're, you're still 100% uh in control or controlled by whatever you have ambient well, even with the reflector you you still have to understand the angle of the light the surface area of the light and right. um you know the behavior of the light you need to understand that in order to even be able to use a reflector and make a better image but it's so hard to jump from that just i know how to manually expose a picture to I'm now going to use off-camera flash because now you can't see the effect of the light until you take the picture. Exactly, yeah. And I was so scared to use it in front of clients because I just didn't know. And um, it still scares me. Yeah, well, the, the thing that turned it around, and this is going to sound kind of embarrassing, but I, I guess I just have to say it. Uh, I was not aware that my flashes had radio control built into them. Because they were like some off-brand, you know, not nothing you'd see on like a YouTube tutorial. Like, 
I, I had to learn them myself by playing around with the menus and figuring everything out inside of them. Do you mean and you could control their output remotely or just you could treat yes. them remotely? So you can you can Both. control their power output. Yes, and nice. I didn't realize that until I accidentally stumbled upon a menu on it uh, in the middle of a shoot, and it was like, which group do you want to control or something like that? Uh, and I was like, what? Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, I, the clouds part. Like, <gasps> I am that, omnipotent. I literally had an aha moment of, oh, I can use this now. <laughs> yes. Because before I was just using them, like, I, I don't know, I, people who are listening to this probably come from all sorts of different levels of experience so i'm just gonna go out and say you know obviously you have a flash on your camera great take a photo take an exposure pop goes the flash uh if you have a second a wireless flash there's two different ways of triggering it you can either trigger it so that uh, I, I don't know the word of it off the top of my head but basically you set the off-camera flash to only fire when it sees a burst of light optically oh, that, that's triggered. called uh, optical yeah yep yep um, and Optical that just kind of, that threw me as well. Um, I, I didn't really understand the concept of that, or I, I guess I was more scared that like, you know, uncle Joe would have his, I don't know why I chose Joe. I'm again, <laughs> going to say you. uncle Joe happens to know what he's doing with a camera. Chris. <laughs> all right. Um, my uncle nieces Bob. would agree. <laughs> uncle Bob is, uh, triggering all of my flashes at this reception and it ain't happening. Not good. So I was kind of scared to use that, and I stumbled into the wireless setting built in, and I was so ready to pull the trigger on a set of wireless receivers that would basically make a non-wireless cam or flash wireless. Like, I was literally ready to spend $400 on it until I stumbled would, into the menu. It, and and th this, this enabled it to be triggered, um, not optically, but with a, with a radio signal. Exactly, yes. And it turns out that my flashes actually have them built into it. That's and awesome. I went back and checked, and there's literally nothing in the manual regarding that. Nothing. Oh, oh big fail on the manufacturer's manual making right there. Not include that information. And it's such a weird submenu to get into. Uh, flashes are not, they're not user-friendly. I'm sure you'd agree with me, Joe. I mean, I know you have kind of a weird flash setup yourself. I have, but I have four flashes that I take. Two are one brand, one is another brand, one is a third brand, and the third brand is probably my favorite flash to use, but it's also the most complicated thing to navigate through the menu in that. I'm like, every right. time I have to relearn it. So as soon as I figured out how to wirelessly radio trigger these flashes, I went out and bought two more. <laughs> <laughs> I so love I, this. I, I'm going to get everything now. I, I am 100% on board with off-camera flash now. So I, I, I guess we'll talk about the overcoming part of it later, but... Learning how to use flash one and learning how to use off camera flash was just so terrifying to me. And I, I would freeze up in the middle of a shoot if my flashes weren't firing for some reason. I, I still have some fear of using, I won't say fear. I, I still have some discomfort in using off camera flash in some shoots. You've, you've shot with me. You know that sometimes I'll be on a shoot and I'll be like, all right, let's use the flash here and do this, that, and the other thing. And then I'll just be like, okay, never mind. We're just going to use natural light. And it's because I thought I knew how it would behave. And then when I took the picture, it was something totally different. And I'm like, okay, well, we're on an actual shoot right now on actual time, getting paid actual money. So I'm not going to spend time to this time screwing around. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. figure this out right now. I need to, I, I need to figure this out on my own time so that I'm ready for the next shoot. 
that mm -hmm. still happens. But there's also many ways that I know how to use the flash because I've practiced that I can just go and say, okay, here's how this is going to work. And it works the same every time. Put those flashes out there and yeah. So it is intimidating, but practice makes perfect. And I think that the only way to really get that down is to practice it, but don't practice it with other clients or with clients, just practice it on your own time. But it is right. worth it. You're yes. right. It's, it's totally worth it to know off camera flash. So yep. do we want to talk so, about overcoming that or, oh, what were you going to say? Well, let's circle back around to you now. Oh, my turn. Back to me. So, you know, you're on your way to a wedding or an engagement. We'll go wedding. Let's up the stakes a little bit. You're okay. on your way to a wedding. You know, you're all packed. You know, everything's ready to go. What helps you getting over your fears and anxieties of going to a shoot? Okay, so I'm going to give very practical things because I hate it when I get, I hate it when you look up some sort of a how-to or help guide or a, a, a podcast of somebody saying, here's how to do something like how to get over anxiety or how to do better with booking more clients or whatever. And they're like really, really stupid, vague answers. Like if you Google like how to get over anxiety, they might say something like, just listen to music. Yeah, listen to music. Think positively. Uh, encourage yourself. You know, use po use positive motivation and nothing specific at all. So I'm going to just say the specific things that helped me, because anxiety is just kind of a thing where you actually feel the best about it when you just accept that it's going to happen. Especially if you you acknowledge it and you realize and you have a yeah. name to give it to. Yes. As opposed to just, I'm dying. You're like, oh, this is an anxiety attack. And you can kind of separate yourself from it. So educate yourself about what actually happens. Like you can literally talk to your doctor and say like, okay, what what is going on here? And they'll say like, oh, these these hormones are triggering, you know, your cortisol or whatever. I don't know any of the I don't know any of the names. There's cortisol. Disclaimer, we're not psychologists. And, yeah. We're not lawyers. We're not psychologists. We're not doctors. So I'm we not going to try to, we are photographers. We're totally we can, photographers. We can claim to be at least one profession. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, educating myself about what the an anxiety attack actually did to my body actually helped because then it was understandable. It wasn't as intimidating because I'm like, oh, this is a physical thing. So I could kind of separate myself mentally from what I was physically feeling, um, the biggest thing for me was was this piece of information. An anxiety attack typically doesn't last more than 30 minutes. So the rest of those that feelings. Helps. That helps. Wow. Yes. Yes. The, uh, a, physical, a physical panic attack. Like I could um, perpetually keep myself in that state if I didn't know what was going on and I constantly re-triggered it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what was happening before where I would be in a wedding day and the whole day I would basically be in a constant state of, of panic attack but the it i would i would feel exhausted the whole day and looking back at it once i understood oh these really only last maximum 30 minutes usually about 20 is is uh i would say oh yeah the actual like freaking out part where like my head would be buzzing and my hands would go numb which actually happens the um yeah no it actually like my hand you know that feeling where you've been like sleeping on your arm and you feel the pins yeah, and, and your arms asleep that actually mm -hmm. happened like during the anxiety attacks. So that's when I knew it was getting really bad. But I, I learned that physically that doesn't last more than 30 minutes. So I could, I could then be aware and I could observe like, oh, this is the peak and now it's going to start going down. 
So I just knew like, okay, I just have to hang. I just have to be okay. I'm, it's going to feel bad, but it'll be over in about 20 to 30 minutes. And then it's exactly what happened. So then when I would go on a wedding day and I'd be like, oh, here it comes. I'd be like, just, just hang on. It's not going to stay the whole day. And then it didn't. And then once I could feel it going down, I was aware of it. And that was very relieving. So just understanding it helped me overcome it. But a couple practical things that I did, and, and I'm hoping this helps anyone who's listening who deals with this same thing. Um, there are several practical things that I did to help me uh, before wedding day. Biggest thing, pack the day before. Get all your gear in one spot or even in the car the day before. And notice I'm saying the day before, not the night. Do not pack the night before because then you're like, oh, I got to, and you're tired from that day. You got a Saturday wedding, so you're there on Friday night trying to gather everything. Oh, I get my, it, it, you're stressed because you've already been dealing with the stress of Friday and you're like, oh, what if this takes so long and I can't get to sleep because it's so late and I'm going to be nervous. Do it during the day. That's probably just a good idea in general is just get yes. all your ducks in a row so you're not yes. panicking the morning before, you know, yeah, so scarfing that, down a granola bar on your way out the door while, oh, shoot, I forgot my telephoto or something. Yep. Yep. Uh, another thing is make a, make a packing list of everything that you need for a wedding day. And again, pack it during daylight. So get everything set the day before. Other things that I did is bring snacks, bring food that you are comfortable eating when you are stressed. So if you if you are uh, a very nervous person, you probably shouldn't be packing spaghetti and meatballs, or um, or Chinese food or Mexican food, something very spicy. You know, get something that you know you will comfortably eat, like apples. For me, it's like apples, bananas. There's little snack bars that I can eat even when I'm very stressed, and I can eat them no problem. Because if you start freaking out and don't eat, then you're going to feel even worse. So yeah, um, and, and messing up your stomach will probably not exactly help. Yeah, yeah. Because then you're going to be going six hours into the day, having had a panic attack and having not not eaten. So bring easy to eat food. I actually one of the things I did is I um, started packing my own dinner too. The couples would be like, "Oh, you could just join us. You're gonna, you were going to have a table for you." And the 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 next biggest thing that I realized is that I needed to schedule a break on the wedding day. Um, I figured this out after, I don't know how many weddings. I wish I had figured it out earlier, but I need to have a break in the middle of the wedding day. So I nowadays what I'll do is I'll tell the, the bride and the groom, like, so I'm going to pack my own dinner uh, just because... And I, you know, I say like, because I have some dietary restrictions or whatever. So don't bother paying for an extra plate for me. And then at the mealtime, nobody wants their picture taken anyway, because they're putting food in their mouths. So I'll go and I'll check with the bride and groom and say like, all right, so it's dinner time. If you guys are all set, I'm going to take my break and I'm just going to go outside and, you know, I'm going to eat my, my dinner in the car or whatever. And I'll go into the car and I will it's just sit in silence and eat. So it's, it's a mental break. That helps so much. You can sit down, you can recline, you have no, you know, I got a little timer going to make sure that I'm not gone for more than 30 minutes or whatever. That helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So take schedule in a break. And lastly, well, not lastly, there's probably other things that I could throw in there. Like I bring like lavender oil or something, which is a essential oil that can help calm you down. That helps a lot. But, um, the other, the last biggest thing is every time, 
even if I didn't have someone like Chris going with me as a second photographer, I always brought someone with me as an assistant. Yes. Having another person there that you know that you're comfortable being with helps a lot. So uh, nowadays it's usually you, Chris, or if I don't have a second photographer, it's usually my wife. She usually comes out and will help me out. And on a day when she has a wedding and I'm available, I go help her out. So not doing it alone helps so much. Just just the knowledge that you can say, oh, shoot, I forgot to get this out of my car. And you can just have them go and get it. Or just have somebody that knows you that you can talk to throughout the day. It helps so much versus just being there alone, not knowing any of the 150 people that are there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I take an assistant with me on pretty mm-hmm. much any shoot. Every time. Every time. It, 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 it's, such a, it's, it's such a big calming effect to have a friend or, or, or a spouse there. It helps so much. So those are the practical things that I implemented to, quote, get over the anxiety. The, um, eventually, though, it just came down to just doing it over and over. Like one year I had 27 weddings. And at the end of that year, I just wasn't nervous about them anymore because it had become routine, which was good. But it was also after implementing these things, packing the day before, packing food and water, food that I was comfortable eating, having somebody go with me and scheduling a break during the day. So that's great. That's that's that's, my story. That's all really good advice for even somebody who doesn't get a ton of uh, anxiety. On I hope, I I hope mean, those so. are just good practices to have. I hope so. And I hope that that's actually something I want to be able to give advice, especially on this show where people can actually implement it and not just, you know, take some vague philosophical idea of, you know, be positive to yourself and you'll be over anxiety. No, like here, this is what I'm going to say. Sure. Be positive about yourself, but also pack the day before, pack some food, take a friend, schedule a break. Solid. Very, very solid. So what about you with Flash? Well, like I said, I I had an aha moment where I realized that my Flashes could do everything that I wanted to do, and I just couldn't figure it out because they were kind of an obscure brand, and the manuals are absolute trash. But once I figured that out, uh, so I guess number one, learn your Flash inside out, press every single button, go inside every single little submenu, and find it out. But secondly, there was actually a book that I read that helped me overcome so much as far as... uh, kind of translating the information of a flash to Thomas speak. Yes. I, I forget the title, but is the author... Wait, is the author Joe McNally? Uh, no, it's actually a Scott Kelby book. Oh, it's Scott Kelby. Okay. Yes. I'm going to cut yeah. out what I just said then because I don't want to slam Joe McNally. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually not familiar with that name. Does uh, he do a lot of textbooks and stuff? Yes. Yes, Chris. He's possibly the biggest name in the photography industry, period. You really should know his name. (laughs) So we're going to cut this segment out. We're going to cut this segment out. Hold on. I'm going (laughs) to... Joe Joe McNally is is the authority on... I mean... (laughs) I, I at, probably he's at know every the name. convention. He's on. He's on the. Oh, um, uh, Kelby one teaching all over the place. He's like the master of flash photography, and like if there's any one name that you're gonna see in every single speaking photography convention as a speaker, like he will be there. You need to know that name. But we'll I, cut I this out. I probably do, but don't forget that I'm also the guy who screwed up his wife's name on their first date. So. 
Joe McNally's wife's name? No, my wife's name. I got oh. Kirsten's <laughs> name wrong on our first date. <laughs> oh, maybe I don't want to cut this part out. This is I just don't want to make you look silly for not knowing no, Joe it, McNally. It, it's fine. I, I'm sure that I know the name, but I'm god-awful with names. I had to repeat your name to myself dozens of times when I first met you. Really? Yep. You could it was have simple. fooled me. It was simple because you had a very... You, you're the only person that I knew whose full name could be said in two syllables. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to send you a link to Joe McNally's website. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that I know this. If you go to his about section, there's probably a headshot there. Do you recognize his face? Oh, yeah, this dude. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so the takeaway here, audience, is don't listen to Chris. <laughs> he no, doesn't know no, what we he's don't talking want, about. We don't want to tell the audience not to listen to one of the hosts. That just discredits the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm hold, just, hold. I am so trash with names, Joe. It's so embarrassing. Well, maybe that's another tip for wedding days, too, is write down everybody's name. Part of the, going back to Sprout Studio, part of the feature in there is you can send questionnaires to the bride and the groom. So I always send a questionnaire that actually generates a shot list for me of the family members' names. So when we're doing family shoots, that's where I get that list from. Like, I just send the questionnaire to them, and they fill out the names, and then I have all of the shots listed out by name. So I don't have to say, could... The grandmother of the groom come out. I can say, would would Gladys hmm. Smith come forward? Or Doe, whatever we were doing earlier. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, I don't want to make you seem really dumb, but I'm actually not going to cut that part out. I, I have accepted the fun. fact that I'm terrible with names and I'm okay with the world knowing that. I will go to a meeting and the moment that I sit down, I shake somebody's hand. Oh, you're Catherine? Okay, thank you. Nice to meet you. All right. I write down Catherine on my notepad. Yeah, good for you. Just just yesterday, I met someone who knew my wife, but hadn't met me yet. And he was like, oh, you're Joe High, right? And I'm like, yeah, like, oh, I know your wife from church. And um, I, was, I made a note, he introduced himself, and I made a note to myself to tell Rhea, like, hey, so-and-so said to say hi. I got home and I was like, hey, someone you know said to say hi. And she's like, oh, who was it? I'm like, great question. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, but you know him. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. So, yes, um, there's a, a wonderful book called, I'm pretty sure it's just The Flash Book by Scott Kelby. I'm, I'm sure if you look at Scott Kelby's website, you'll find it. And uh, I just happened to see it at a Barnes & Noble, and I, I picked it up and I checked it out. And the translation work of translating the language of Flash photography into plain Jane English is fantastic. Uh he uses the absolute most generic flash in the world and cuts out all of the the nonsense uh, in like the back of the screen. Like flashes have a very very poor signal to noise ratio, which is a fancy way of saying there's a lot going on and only a little bit that you need to take in. So every time that you look at the back of a photo of a flash on this book, it'll say exactly what it is that it's trying to teach you, like learning about the power levels, learning about the different types of sync, uh, rear curtain sync, that kind of thing. And is it, it, is it a, a red book? Is it kind yes. of red? Yep. I've got it right here. I'll put a link in the description. Yes. So fantastic book. It, it does a, it, it was literally an enlightening read for me. I mean, I still go back to it. It's literally on my bedside for me to just kind of brush up on every now and then because I'm still learning about it sometime actually. 
I, I would love to let you borrow it because it's fantastic. Um, it got me sold on the idea of using all sorts of different types of lighting modifiers for different situations. Uh, it taught me all about gels and different types of CTOs to use um, and when to use them. And yeah, different lighting scenarios, setting up your own home studio, setting up a, a small portable studio. It's Scott a Kelby, fantastic read. Scott Kelby is an excellent teacher as well, excellent educator. So it makes sense that he would have a book that would teach that so well. So great recommendation there. Yeah, we'll put that link in the description. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say that between actually sitting down and learning my flash and, you know, really diving into it, because you never know what you're going to find with something like that, especially for a little bit more of an obscure product. Like you can find millions or at least thousands of people telling you how to use like a Canon 5D Mark III or something. But your specific one flash, I mean, there's so many different versions of flashes out there. And I actually learned that my version is just a knockoff Godox which is a more national brand. And once I figured that out, I was like, oh, great. Now I can learn more about it. That's basically it. Take the time to learn your equipment, find a source of learning or inspiration that speaks to you and just just try it. Well, I mean, the, the very first time that I learned to use off-camera flash, uh, I was doing a, uh, a free session for a few friends of ours uh, that were going to prom together. So, you know, prom photos, just simple, cute kids hanging out, having a good time. and um, Or not so cute kids, let's be honest. Yeah, true. Prom photos. <laughs> I, I probably. don't know what I don't know what shoot you're talking about. I'm not referring to those kids. In, <laughs> I'm referring to you know all of us when we were in high school. We weren't as cute as we are now. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop saying the word cute high school kids because that's just going in a direction I really don't <laughs> oh, want to associate we just myself. Got with. Kicked off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they, how about this? They were a cute couple. Okay. So are they not uh, a couple anymore? Is that what you said? Were those poor kids? They are. Okay. (laughs) They are a cute couple. (laughs) The moral of the story is the first time that I used off camera flash. Yeah, this is a slog. The first time that I used off camera flash uh, was actually in conjunction with the first time that I used a 70 to 200 2.8 lens, which is like a fantastic lens uh, for for pretty much anything that you want to throw at it i mean it can even be a good macro lens if you have an extension tube but um it was my first time using that lens and i used off-camera flash at the same time and they were totally cool with me saying you know this is just a test these are this is a practice shoot for me i'm happy to give you guys the photos but this is 100 a chance for me to practice and when i first took my first couple of photos with that i looked at the back of my screen and said these are the photos i've been trying to take my entire life <laughs> I, I can finally it. accomplish it. I, I, it was the secret sauce. Oh, I, I'm I, so happy that you had that moment. That was, I remember that moment. That was a pure moment of elation in my mind. Of, I figured it. I've cracked the code. It is, you know, this lens and this flash will give me the results that I actually want. Because the Off-camera entire flash is the Rosetta Stone of photography. I, it could be it very well could be but just something about the combination you know uh, the models were very very happy to be there that day and i literally remember my first couple of photos you know I, I had the light stand set up i had my modifier on it and took the shot looked at the back of my camera and was like i've been trying to do this for the past seven years where have you been my whole life uh, a couple thousand dollars away, but I. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you get the point. 
I do, because I remember I remember that that same feeling. That actually tying this back in the that was actually also one of the biggest things that got me over anxiety is realizing that I actually knew what I was doing, like doing yeah. enough shoots where I was getting consistent results, which only comes from practice. But eventually, I was looking at I'm like, oh, I actually. No, and this is, you know, it sounds arrogant, but when you actually have confidence to know like, oh yeah, I know how to do this shoot. I know how to get photos consistently. That eliminates a lot of anxiety too. When you just get to the point where you're not like, well, here comes another shoot. I wonder if it's going to suck this time. I guess we're going to find out. But eventually, you know, when you practice, you don't have it. When you get to the point, you know, you can give consistent results. It's just the anxiety of getting it started, getting the ball rolling, at least for me, once I get over the imposter syndrome and I look at the back of my camera and I'm like, oh yeah, I do know what I'm doing. I, I it's, think that it's that's usually smooth the, sailing. I think that that's, I, I'm sorry for talking over you. There's still a delay in our video chat here. We'll, we'll figure it out eventually, but I think that's probably the biggest and best takeaway. If we want to start wrapping up here, I think that's a great takeaway from this show is all of these things, um, kind of contribute to imposter syndrome, but it does always just come back to just get out there and just do it anyway, because it gets better and better and better and better. And you're going to look back at yourself a year ago and be like, wow, look at where I've come from. I still do that all the time. That's good. You should be. I mean, I, I worry about plateauing. Hmm. Which is probably in another podcast episode. Yes. Let's see. Have this. I plateaued? Anyway. Hmm. Well, anyway, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. So if you guys like listening to the podcast, don't forget that you can find us on all your different places that podcasts are found. We're on Apple Music. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We are on Google Podcasts. And Joe's going to fill me in on the last one. Oh, I was going to test. I know you said you suck at names. The Slacker? last one is no, no. Is that a thing? We're on Stitcher. Oh, is the last one. I can do it really fast. Ready? Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and crap. What was the last? Embarrassing. <laughs> the other one that Chris said. Yeah. So, a, yeah. And if you like the idea of using uh, a one-stop shop for all of your contracts, your invoices, everything like that, uh, check out Sprout Studio. We have an affiliate link, and I'm going to now. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure you get that affiliate link. So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Boca Banter. I'm Joe High here with Chris Golden. And we will talk to you next time.